Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Tuesday, July 12th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. That includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Nicoletta Papavasilakis. Here are today's headlines. The euro and U.S. dollar are worth the same for the first time in 20 years. Yeah, Nicoletta, to give people an idea, the euro is usually worth about a dollar and 20 cents. But due to economic instability, the currency's value has plummeted in the last few months. Inflation and the energy crisis have both contributed to this. The EU was relying on Russia for about half of its gas supply. But since Russia invaded Ukraine, the EU is now scrambling to find other energy sources. Europe is now trying to tighten policies to relieve inflation and regulate the economy. There is one possible solution. The European Central Bank is expected to hike up interest rates for the first time since 2011. But it's unclear whether this is going to help or if Europe will fall into a recession. A new extortion scam is hitting New York restaurants where it hurts, their reputations. That's right, David. A few restaurants in Greenwich Village and the Lower East Side say they've received emails from international blackmailers. One of these restaurants is the Avant Garden. It received an unusually large amount of one-star reviews on Google. Yeah, and that's just the start of it. A few days later, the eatery got an email from scammers in India, threatening to leave daily one-star reviews on Google until they received a gift card. There's been some mixed opinions about how to handle the scam. Some restaurant owners are saying that online sites should block these kind of reviews. Others say that online reviews don't mean everything. Whatever side you're on, these extortion scams are not just happening in New York. Upscale restaurants in San Francisco and Chicago are also getting these kinds of emails. There's another big story we're following today. This year's Emmy nominations are out, and the field is crowded with familiar faces and newcomers. Yeah, David. Succession and Ted Lasso are among the most nominated shows. They're the frontrunners this year, but they also have some stiff competition. That's for sure. Netflix's Squid Game and ABC's Abbott Elementary are also up for the show's top awards. And Stranger Things and Euphoria got the nod for Best Drama Series. This year, the Emmys are dominated by streaming platforms like Netflix and HBO. They've been changing the landscape of the award show for the past decade. You can catch the Emmys on Monday, September 12th on NBC and Peacock. Born to Run is probably one of Bruce Springsteen's most iconic songs. And Springsteen fans will be able to hear it live because he's coming to New York very soon. That's right. It's going to be his first full band North American tour since 2016. And this time around, he's got five dates in the New York area. The biggest shows are going to be at Madison Square Garden on April 1st and Barclays Center on the 3rd. He'll also play in Long Island in April and make his much-anticipated New Jersey homecoming later that month. You can register to sign up for the tour's presale now through Sunday, but tickets are expected to sell out fast. They'll officially go on sale Wednesday, July 20th at 10 a.m. And don't forget, today's your last chance to catch Manhattan Hinge. You can take pictures of the sunset tonight at 821. Some of the best views are along 14th, 23rd, 34th, and 42nd Street. Many New Yorkers know about the Stonewall Riots in Greenwich Village. The 1969 protests were monumental in the fight for gay rights. But do you know the story of the Sippin? This protest helped establish gay-friendly bars in New York. I talked to Helen Buford, the owner of Julius's, the bar where the Sippin took place. 
Julius's is the oldest gay bar in New York City, but Buford says that bars weren't always welcoming to the LGBTQ plus community. 56 years ago, um, a gay person could not openly go into a bar and be served alcohol. They would be considered disorderly and they could be arrested. The bar could be shut down. During that time, the New York State Liquor Authority discriminated against the gay community and considered homosexuality an act of misconduct. But this all changed on April 21, 1966. The Mattachine Society, a major gay activist group, staged a sip-in. Buford says they took inspiration from the civil rights movement. The, the sip-in itself was um, something that was emulated from the sit-ins that would happen in the South where Black people would go to the counter, protest that they wanted to be served. In a similar fashion, three members of the Mattachine Society walked into different bars and asked for drinks. But in this case, they wanted to be denied. The rejection would serve as evidence to expose and overturn the discriminatory laws in place. Buford says while Julius's always attracted gay clientele, the men knew they would likely not be served this time since the bar was raided a few days prior. And they were right. They said to the bartender, we're orderly, we're gay, and we want to be served. And then he puts his hand over the glass. That very moment was photographed by a journalist who accompanied the group. It was published in newspapers around the city. Buford says the sip-in was instrumental for advancing gay rights in New York. That helped change that particular prejudice against gay people that, you know, they cannot be served just because they're gay. It clarified laws that you couldn't discriminate. And now gay bars became legitimate businesses. It wasn't like an underground thing. While Julius's is the oldest gay bar in the city to this day, Buford says the space belongs to everyone. It's providing a safe space for people, no matter how they identify. Everyone is welcome. Nobody's going to be, you know, told, oh, we don't want you in here. It's just an inclusive place and will always be as long as I'm there. Julius's carries on the same mission the Mattachine Society had when they staged the sip-in, to establish an equitable space for the whole community. I'm Nicoletta Papavasilakis, WFUV News. That was my co-host Nicoletta talking about the historic sip-in in Greenwich Village. And in sports, the Mets got a big win over a division rival Monday night. WFUV's Mike Calamari has more. The Mets defeated the Braves 4-1 Monday night in Atlanta, and their NL East lead goes from one and a half games now to two and a half games. The Amazing started off the scoring in the third with a Pete Alonso double that scored one run, and then a Luis Guillorme fielder's choice that scored another. Scherzer pitched seven innings, one earned run, and nine strikeouts in his second start back from injury. Out of the bullpen, Adam Adovino and Edwin Diaz closed out the game for the Mets in the eighth and ninth. So, Mike, outside the Mets, what are some other stories across the league? Well, in the Bronx, the Yankees still hold the best record in baseball. They'll play their first home game in almost two weeks after a 10-game road trip. They'll start a three-game series versus the Reds Tuesday night. New York holds an extremely comfortable 14-and-a-half-game lead in the AL East. Now let's take a look around the league as the Astros and the Dodgers still hold first in their respective divisions, winning 11 out of their last 13 games. But... The hottest team in baseball is the Baltimore Orioles, winning eight straight games, including a four-game sweep over the Angels. However, despite the hot run, the Orioles are still last in the AL East, but only two games back from a wild-card playoff spot. Mike, I also heard there might be a strike at the 2022 All-Star Game. That definitely seems like a possibility. 
around 1,500 Dodger Stadium workers could go on strike ahead of the 2022 All-Star Game. On Sunday, the union announced 99% of its workers voted in favor of the strike. The union is looking for a contract they feel matches the work and role they play in the fan experience. With WFEV Sports, I'm Mike Calamari. Thanks, Mike. It might surprise you, but New York City is home to many rooftop and urban beehives. WFUV's Isabel Danzis went to the Union Square Green Market to talk to one of these beekeepers. That was Andrew Cote, the owner of Andrew's Honey, talking with customers about spicy honey at his stand at the Union Square Green Market. The Green Market was packed with customers on the Saturday morning that I visited. Cote's honey stand can be easily identified by the bright yellow tent and bottles of honey on the table. And thankfully for these customers, Cote was able to find more spicy honey. Cote's honey is not your normal honey. The honey is special because it comes from the rooftops of New York City. Cote has hives all over the five boroughs. He started beekeeping in the city many years ago, and his operation has grown significantly since then. I started with three. Three beehives at a community garden in the East Village, and now I have 104. In addition to the hives in the city, Cote also has hives in Connecticut. Maintaining beehives in New York City does present unique challenges. Cote says that while working with the bees is basically the same in the city as in more rural areas, the city ambiance can create difficulties when beekeeping. Things like parking, superintendents, and more. Oh, also, the, perhaps the most challenging is carrying heavy honey supers and boxes of tens of thousands of stinging venomous insects up and down staircases and buildings that don't have, have elevators. That kind of thing doesn't happen in the rural setting. Rooftop beekeeping has become more popular in recent years. New York City legalized it in 2010. Cities like Boston, Detroit, Chicago, Berlin, London, Bristol, and more are all hubs for urban beekeeping. However, despite New York City's fairly recent legalization of rooftop beekeeping, Cote says that the city has a long history of it. Also, New York City has almost 200 years of urban beekeeping. There was a woman keeping about 40 beehives down on Lower Broadway on what's now called the Canyon of Heroes. There was a huge business of queen breeding atop a building in Brooklyn in the 1840s. So beekeeping in New York City is not new. Cote's rooftop honey comes from all over the city. And while a lot of it tastes the same, different locations do have slightly different tastes. Cote says that the honey from the hives by Rockaway Beach is the most distinctive. My favorite type of honey from New York City is the honey from Rockaway Beach. There's just something magical and special about it. Maybe it's because I love swimming out there. Maybe, I don't know why, but that's the one that tastes the best to me. As for the bees themselves, Cote finds that they are often misunderstood by people. Honeybees are wonderful, magical little creatures that seemingly pluck honey from the sunshine, and uh, they should be revered and loved and admired. Andrew's honey can be found at the Union Square Green Market on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, or online. I'm Isabel Danzis, WFUV News. That was Cityscape host Isabel Danzis talking about the history of urban beekeeping at the Union Square Green Market. Cityscape aims to capture the culture, feel, and energy of New York City. 
And that's our show for today. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Nicoletta Papavasilakis. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever podcasts are found.